Speaking of things that you see, I want to ask you this morning a couple of questions. And uh, uh, everybody's safe and happy wherever they are in the building, so just kind of relax a little bit. Let me ask you, what do you see? What do you see in your life today when you look at what is right now? When you look at what is, when you look at your relationships, your circumstances, your, your stuff, your place, your, your, this snapshot of life today, what do you see when you look at what is? And then having seen that, the next question I want to ask you is, I want you to ask what you can see when you look at life through the lens of faith. When you look at the very same stuff in your life, but now looking at it through the lens of faith, what is possible? What can you see? I want to n- encourage you, I want to nudge us this morning, as we already have in our gathering, in, in, our, in our worship, in the, the, the prophetic that's, that's sprung up in our midst. All, there's a strong emphasis of faith today. I mean, all I did was ask Pastor Jim to go pray comfort over Sean, and he's talking about their future. You can't stop. You can't stop the Spirit of God. When he's got something to say, he's going to look for a ways to say it. And he's calling us to get out of a boat. He's calling us to move through the fog and into the depth. There's more. Turn to your neighbor and tell him there's more. Whatever you see today, there's more. Let me tell you a story. You ready? Thank you, Ben, for your help back there. You'd be proud of Luke. He did a good job for a servant. Once there was a great kingdom. This kingdom was known throughout all the lands for its splendor, its magnificent buildings, its, its, its great terraced gardens and beautiful farms. But through time, all that had changed. Now the once great buildings were falling down and in need of much repair. The farms were now small and did not grow enough food for the kingdom. The poor villagers would oftentimes even go hungry. The people of this kingdom were not just poor by way of things. They were poor of spirit, for there was not much joy in the village. There were no dances, rarely was music heard, and worst of all, people had forgotten why their kingdom was once great. The king of this land did not look as you might expect a king to look, for he did not have a magnificent throne or flowing robes or a golden crown inlaid with precious gems. He was the king of a poor kingdom. He looked quite ordinary and poor himself. His castle was always cold and in need of repair. He did not entertain the kings of other lands, for he was greatly ashamed of his kingdom. To the east of this unhappy land was a beautiful kingdom with great farms and glorious cathedrals and castles and there were lovely gardens adorned with fine sculptures and sparkling fountains. Night and day the breeze from the city walls carried the most exquisite music and enticing scents as well as the smell of delicacies for there was an abundance of food in that land. It made the people of this land even more unhappy to look upon the wealth of their neighbors for despite their poverty The people prided themselves on having once been a great kingdom. The king did not often leave his castle, for he was weary of the complaints of his subjects. One day he sat down to a meager meal, and there came a knock at the castle door. 
The king's servant opened the door to find an old man with a large oak walking stick. The man wore a cap and a girdle and a coarse wooden uh, woolen tunic, the, uh, and a large uh, cloak of skins was draped over his shoulders. He was carrying a leather canister which hung from his shoulder by straps. Hail, said the man, I am but passing through your kingdom uh, to the village uh, to the east. I am looking for an inn to spend the night. The king's servant frowned. This is not an inn. This is the king's castle. The traveler looked around. This is not much of a castle, he said. Yeah, the servant agreed. Still, the traveler said, I am very weary from my journey and I would like to rest here. You must inquire of my lord, the servant said. Lead me to him, said the traveler. The servant led the traveler down a dark, cold hallway to the king's dining room. The king looked up from his meal as the man entered. You are the king of this land, the man asked. I am. You do not look like a king. The king frowned. I am the king of a poor kingdom. Our farms do not grow. Our buildings are falling down. My people weary me day and night with their complaints. We, used, we were once a great kingdom, but all that has changed. The man nodded slowly. Why, why do you not change back? Change, the king replied angrily. We have tried that only to fail. We lack the knowledge of once made this kingdom great. You lack but one thing, said the old man, and if you will give me supper and lodging for the night, I, I will on the morrow show you why you fail. The king looked at him thoughtfully and said, motioning to the platters of food before him, go ahead, eat your fill. The servant even brought in a wooden platter, and the, the traveler ate with the king, and when he had finished his meal, the servant led him to a room. That night, as the king lay in his bed, he wondered if the stranger had tricked him. The next morning, the traveler came to the king in his throne room and said, You have lived up to your part of the bargain. Now I will live up to mine. Follow me. The king followed the traveler to the castle balcony. There the traveler brought out a long, round canister and pulled from it a brass tube with a sewn leather cover, a spyglass. He raised the spyglass to his eye and looked over the land until a smile crossed his face. Then he handed the spyglass to the king and said, look thither. The king looked through the glass. He could see great farms and gardens and magnificent castles and cathedrals. He lowered the spyglass and said impatiently, I have seen the wonders of the eastern kingdom. I hear far too much from them. H-A-R-R-U-M-P-H. <laughs> you are mistaken, said the traveler. It is your own kingdom, you see. The king again raised the spyglass, but this time he recognized the hills and the glens of his own kingdom. But where there had been barren pasture, there were now fields of grain. His own people were in the fields. Their wagons were overflowing with harvest. You are a wizard, said the king. It's a trick of the glass. It's no trick, said the traveler. But when the king put the glass down, his kingdom looked just like it had before. Nothing has changed, he said. No, said the traveler. Change requires work. 
but one must first see before doing. The king again raised a glass and said, what greatness this kingdom holds. You have seen what might be, said the traveler. Now, go and make it so. After two harvests, I will return for my final. The king on horseback went out into his kingdom, and he rode until he came to the edge of what was once a beautiful garden, now overrun with weeds and thistles. No one walked in the garden. There were no happy cries of people playing. A group of villagers were standing outside of its fence. Their children played at their feet in the dirty roadway. Why do you not use the garden, the king asked them. Well, it's, it's not fit, sire. So it is not, agreed the king, but it could be. Look thither. The king held out the spyglass, and one by one the villagers looked through the tube at the garden, and they saw that the weeds and the thistles were gone, and the lawns were lush and inviting. But when they set down the glass, it looked as it did before. It's an amusing device, they said, but it's of no use. No use indeed, said the king. Behold, and he went down to the garden, and he began to pull weeds out by his own hand. And when the villagers saw what he was doing, they too began to pull up weeds until they had uncovered a large marble statue of an angel, its wings spread, its face looking toward heaven. The people stared at the statue in wonder and in awe. At length, the king mounted his horse, and before he left, he said, you have seen what might be. Now go and make it so. The king rode further down the road until he came to a farmer sitting on the, thre on the ground threshing grain with a small flail. How goes it, man? The king asked. The weary farmer barely looked up and said, I can't grow a, enough food even to feed ourselves. The king lifted the spyglass from his coat. Come hither, good man, and behold your farm. The farmer lifted up the eyepiece to his eye and gasped, It's sorcery! You have seen what might be, said the king. Now, make it so. Farther down the road, the king came to a crumbling cathedral. The roof had rotted and fallen in. There was, it was no longer safe to enter its arched doors. There were tents pitched outside where a small congregation had gathered. The king rode his horse up to the tent. The friar stood before the people and stopped speaking when he saw the king coming. All turned to see the king. Why do you meet in tents, the king asked. Why, sire, our, our cathedral has fallen. Why have you not rebuilt it? The friar opened his arms to his congregation and said, We are few in number and poor. Have you shown your congregation what could be, the king asked. Every year, that line gets me. The friar looked quizzically at the king, and what might that be? See for yourself, said the king, and he handed the, the pastor the spyglass, and the pastor looked through it, and he saw a new cathedral 
larger than the decaying building and more elaborate, adorned with beautiful sculptures of saints and cherubs. And, and he saw a parking lot that was finished. And yeah, and, 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 he, saw, and he saw new paint and new plumbing and new children's rooms for kids. And he, and he saw 90 more parking spaces in the back and a new 10,000 square foot addition and a new auditorium. He saw lots of things. We saw more than that, but I'll talk about it. In, no, I'll tell you now. And he saw, and he saw thousands and thousands of people born again. And he saw, and he saw 20 churches planted over the next 40 years. And he saw people being sent out across the city and county and around the world, carrying the message that they too are, are ever-increasing expressions of Christ. Wow. By the grace of God, the pastor said, I have seen a vision. Nope, the king said, you have seen what might be. Now go and make it so. Day by day, the king went out until he had visited all the people of his kingdom and shown them what might be. Though there were some who would not look through the glass. And others who refused to believe what they saw. But the greater part of the villagers looked with wonder and with hope. That same year, there was a plentiful harvest, and the farmers filled their wagons and their barns with grain. But not just the farmers prospered. The wagon builders were busy building wagons to carry all of the grain, and the millers were busy milling the grain and the flour. And for the first time, for as long as the villagers could remember, there was more than enough to eat. Someone say, more than enough. That's the result of faith. I can't talk about it yet. But that's the result of faith. More than enough. Oh, say it. That's the result of faith. More than enough. I can't get there yet. Still reading story. Music and dancing filled the streets. Old buildings were repaired. New buildings arose. New things happened. The old things were restored and new things came. That's what faith does. It doesn't discard. It restores and it renews and it starts new things. Got to read this story. Oh, also including the beginning of the most majestic cathedral in all the land. As promised, two harvests later, the, the old traveler returned to the kingdom. He almost did not recognize the castle, for so, how, for so greatly had it changed. The old wooden door he had once knocked on was now new and beautifully carved. Beautiful tapestries adorned the now polished marble floors. The castle's once cold chambers were now warmed with heat and music. And the king was attended to by his servants. And the king was dressed lavishly and royally. And he welcomed the traveler back. My friend, he said, I have awaited your return. Look what prosperity your spyglass has brought us. You have done well, the traveler said, but I cannot tarry. I have only come for my spyglass, and then I'll be on my way. At this, the king frowned, and he said, Whoa, 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 in, in the two seasons since you blessed us with your arrival, we have accumulated much treasure. In exchange for the spyglass, I will trade all the gold in the royal coffers with men and wagons enough to carry it wherever is your destination. You have spoken wisely, said the traveler, for the gift of the spyglass is worth more than all the gold in the royal coffers throughout all the land. But you keep your gold. You no longer need the spyglass. 
But there is still so much to be done, pleaded the king. Yes, said the old man, but you no longer need the spyglass. You can see without it. How is that possible? The spyglass only showed you what could be if you believed. For it was only faith that you and your people lacked. The king shook his head in disbelief. How can this be? Faith is foolishness. So says the fool, <laughs> the traveler said. On the contrary, faith is the beginning of all journeys. It is by faith that the seed is planted. It is by faith that the foundation is dug. It is by faith that each book is penned and each song is written. Only with faith can we see that which is not but can be. Only with faith can we see that which is not but can be. The eye of faith is greater than the natural eye. For the natural eye sees only a portion of truth. But the eye of faith sees without bonds, without limits. I, I, I had not supposed, said the king. And that is why you once failed, said the old man. Faith is now why you succeed. And he placed his hand on the king's shoulder and he said with a smile, You have seen what might be, now go and make it so. And though the traveler and his spyglass were never seen in the land, and the kingdom continued to prosper and became again the great kingdom of old. Yet despite their abundance of food and their beautiful buildings and their lush gardens and their majestic cathedrals, it was said ever after of that kingdom that their greatest treasure was their faith. Faith lets me see what can be. Can you say that out loud with me? Faith lets me see what can be. Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21, speaking about the life of Abraham. We're going to look at Paul and James talking about Abraham and both about how faith works here. It says this, against all hope. In other words, when there was nothing to hope for, when there was no natural, rational reason, no natural evidence for hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. He saw with faith. And so he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Listen, verse 19, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Someone say the promise of God. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. I got to call a quick time out. Some folks often think that they don't, that they worry about having enough faith or they, they evaluate their faith. Do you believe that God has the power power to do what he promised you keep your eyes on his promise and you trust in his power don't take your eyes off that you'll be just fine abraham looked at what was he took an honest look he was a hundred years old and his wife was no spring chicken 
but he looked at what was. He examined the situation. He wasn't pessimistic about it. He wasn't cynical. He just looked at what was. He faced the facts. Would you all say he faced the facts? He faced the facts. He faced the fact that, that verse 19, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his, that he, his body was it, that was over. He faced facts. But because faith is not fear of facts. Faith is not fear of facts. Faith doesn't close its eyes and pretend that what is is not. Faith opens his eyes and declares that what is not can be. Big difference. Faith doesn't close his eyes and say, it's not here, it's not there, I'm pretending. It's faith is not pretending that what is, isn't. It believes that what is not can be. Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of hope. It is the, it is the traction, the leverage the substance of hope, and it is the evidence of things we have not seen or not seen yet. See, the, one of the problems is often people have no frame of reference for hope because it's always been this way or it's been this way too long or it hasn't, it hasn't been a different way for so long that they no longer ha have, a, have a, a natural capacity to, to see it any differently. But that's, what, that's why Faith, faith lays a hold of the promises of God. Faith searches. You should look for the scriptures. Faith looks at what God has said like Abraham. Faith, Abraham considered the, the promise of God. And he said, if God said this, I believe God has the power to fulfill this. And that's what faith does. Search the storehouses of the promises of God. Lay hold of something. Lay hold of a promise and don't let go of it. Faith looked at what was, Abraham looked at what was, and then by faith he saw what could be. He, had the, he was persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. And what he saw was that God said, you're going to have descendants like the stars. The guy's 100 years old, no kids, never have had kids, has no history of success. Not only does it not look good, it's never looked good. And yet he hears Here's God, and this is this is early. He didn't even look. Abraham doesn't even have the benefit of testimony. He doesn't have history behind him. Who did Abraham look to for inspiration to trust God and obey? He didn't have Abraham. He couldn't. Father Abraham didn't have Father Abraham. You do. You've got something. You've got people. You've got current people. You've got your parents, grandparents, people that have gone before us. You and I have much greater reason for hope than Abraham. But Abraham stands as our example. He has literally no reason. Nothing behind him. Nothing around him. Everybody's a pagan around him. Everybody. Literally, Abraham, everybody else is a pagan. Except for that guy, with that, that one fellow, Melchizedek. We don't know about him. But he looked around and he said, what can be? He looks, he looks, and he, he considers what's possible. You and I can do the same. 
You and I, faith will let you and I do the same. You and I can be like Abraham. We can take a look at, at, and see how things are right now. First, we take an honest look at what is, and that you can't get past that. Would you say that with me? Say, we, say look, look at what is. You can't, you, listen, because faith is not fear of facts, if you, don't, if you refuse to look at what is, that's fear. You, you have no, and besides that, you, have, you, you don't know what you're supposed to do. You can't say, well, you know, I should really build a roof when you need to be b- digging a foundation, right? You've got to take an honest look at what is right now. You've got to know where you need to begin. But then having looked at what is, get faith, get the promises of God, get faith out and start imagining, not just imagining from your own, but with faith, begin to see what can be. Let faith begin to give substance to what you hope for. Let faith give you a leverage for you to begin to believe God that you could, that something that isn't yet can be. Let faith push away the debris of doubt and discouragement. Faith will not be swayed by the voices that say, oh, we've tried that before. It doesn't work. <laughs> or, or you might have even tried looking before. You might have even said, you know, I've looked before through a spyglass, and so far things ain't look. That's not great. Let me say this to you. Keep looking. Come on, tell your neighbor, keep looking. Never look down. Never look back. Keep looking thither. Keep the lens of faith in front of you. You know, for heritage, we got a lot, we have a lot to look thither. We have so much in front of us in terms of physically and spiritually as a church. We really do. We've done a lot of great things in the past year. The Lord's given us this place, and we've done a lot of great things, but and we're we're glad for it. But there's so much still more to do. Everything from simple things like plumbing and parking lot and paint and lighting to everything else that's going on. Everything else that we want to see happen. And we have so much hope for for real change, for families to experience change. You know, Mrs. Dab isn't kidding when she talks about wanting people to prosper. Uh, she, she, she just wants you to have more than enough so that you can abound in every good work. God takes no pleasure in your lack. He just doesn't. That's the devil. He don't like, he likes lack. He likes you to be not have enough, depressed, sad, etc., etc. But we, sir, we live, we want to live in the place of generosity. Yeah. What do you see at Heritage when you look thither? How do you see yourself here connecting, growing, becoming, participating, being fitly joined together, being part of what God is doing even in this place? Oh, we want to see some of the great things. We want to keep gathering to experience His presence. We want to keep growing. We want to keep learning new things, being formed and shaped and developed and built into the image of Christ. And we want to keep going. We want to keep sending people. We want people to say and to share and to speak and to, and to give away all that they've received in Christ. There's so much. Keep looking. Somebody say, keep looking. But what about you? More than just for a church. What about you? Today, ask by faith, when you look through the lens at your life, I want you to see something new. Come on, lift up that lens. I'm looking over at, at Stephanie Herzl Hazu today. And I'm telling you, sis, I almost stopped in the middle of my story and said, Stephanie, look thither. Lift that thing up. Put down. You've been looking through. I love you. Don't, don't get upset. You've been looking through wrong glasses. 
If you just take a quick gander of what the Lord has done in the Hazu home, even in the last 12 months, his blessing and his provision and his restoration, he's just getting warmed up. Or you say, you say, we tried making an album a couple, two, three years ago. It didn't work. Keep looking. Oh, I've been ready for you for about a half hour. It's been cooking. Keep looking. Keep looking. Some people you don't need to talk. You just... see you in the future and you look much better than you look right now. Sasquatch. Come. Have you been deceiving me? Or just wandering around fixing things? What am I saying to people right now? Keep looking. Now they chuckle. That's all right. I'm not. You keep looking. You keep looking. Noah was 500 years old. Noah. Not Noah. He didn't have kids. You always worry that I want more kids. You should be. (laughs) Look at this. How could you not want... Noah is five, Noah, 500 years old. You think, that's it. I've had a good, righteous life, got kids ready to just retire, ready to be done. And the Lord said, I need you to build a boat. It's going to take you 100 years. You know I'm coming for you. Oh, I've done so much. He's always, he quietly all likes to tell me, well, you know, I've done that already, son. (laughs) You know, I did that. I've done that. I know you have. Wonderful. I need you to build a boat. You know, some people in that story were startled by what they saw. Didn't look like what they understood or where they'd been. Some of you, if you look seriously through the lens of faith, you think, wow, I did not see this coming. I did not, I didn't think that was possible. I haven't identified that type of future for my life. But that's what the promises of God will do. God, God has things in his heart for you that are 
better and more beautiful than you've imagined. What? I don't know exactly what's cooking, Stefan. But we both know that the Lord is stirring your life and doing something special in you. Faith lets me see what can be. For some of you, you need to take a look through the lens of faith at the year in front of you. Take a look at your family, your finances, projects. You need to take a look at unresolved conflicts. When I turn it around, that, might, that means I might need to look at some things. Unfulfilled desires and dreams. Things that you have written off as no longer probable. It's time to dust off some dreams. That's the thing about hope is it's dangerous. It is. It's dangerous. You can just enjoy the boredom of status quo until hope messes with you. <laughs> it's dangerous. It disturbs the status quo. Don't you want to be intoxicated by hope? Is there anybody here that just wants to get all hepped up on hope? <laughs> Lift up your eyes. Look longer. Look further. Look thither. And having seen what can be, go make it so. Go do it. Faith lets me see, and then faith leads me to act. This is James 2.17. Faith without works is dead. Faith doesn't make believe. Faith makes things happen. Only Michael agrees with that. You should too. It's in the Bible. Faith always moves us to partner with God. Faith doesn't sedate us. It awakens us. It inspires us. Faith works and acts and partners with possibility. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was the one who said, only the obedient believe. When James wrote about Abraham's faith, he didn't just say Abraham believed. He said that you see, Abraham, he said that Abraham's faith led him to action. James 2.22, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. In the same way, our faith is com made complete when we act, when we partner, when we cooperate with God. Now, friends, here's the thing. You may not know every step you need to take. You will probably not be able to see everything between here and there carefully laid out before you. But the good news is we not only see by faith, we also walk by faith. Say we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith. I'm going to say walk by faith. So then having seen, when we see what can be by faith, you take the first step by faith. And then you know what you do? You take the next step by faith. You see by faith, 
and then you walk by faith. Let's stand together as we pray together. Can we do that? Get your walking shoes on. Get your clapping hands on. All right? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this house. I pray over Heritage Church. Lord, that we would see fresh. We would see by faith. We would look forward at what can be. And having seen by faith, according to the promises of God, we would put our trust in your power. And we would begin to walk by faith. We would take one step at a time by faith. Because the future, the power, the promise of God is before us. I see you in the future. And you look much better than you look right now. Amen. Amen.